for listening to the Cornerstone Chapel Middle School Podcast. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Um, we're going to uh, read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you got one of the Bibles that were passed out, it's going to be on 803, page 803. Um, if you don't have a Bible, then maybe one of your uh, friends will help you read off of theirs. Um, but our theme for this morning, guys, listen, our theme for this morning is going to be from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. I'm going to read it for us. Follow along. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. All right, today we're learning about how to properly represent Jesus, how to be an ambassador for Christ. Now, we're going to touch on exactly what is an ambassador a little bit later in the study, um, but uh, that's, that's what we're going we're gonna to try to focus on in our Bible study this morning. And after, uh, after the service is over, what's the common question you get from your parents? Shout it out. What'd you learn today? Yeah, every time, you know, after, after youth group was over, I'd go to my parents and be like, what'd you learn today? And I, you know, we learned about a lot of things, but you guys can't, you guys got to stop giving the answers. Uh, we learned about Jesus today. We, um, uh, we learned about the Bible, the classic answers. Yeah, I played that game too, but you guys got to stop using that excuse. It's getting old. So your parents got to have new stuff. So once your parents ask you, hey, what, what'd you learn in youth group this morning? You can tell them that I learned I need to be a good representative of Jesus. You can write that down. When your parents ask you, hey, what'd you learn this morning? You can say, well, I learned that I need to be a good representative, good representation of Jesus. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning, right here out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul says, be an ambassador for Christ as though Christ is making his appeal through you. We're going to learn about what, is, what exactly is an ambassador, all right? It's kind of a, we don't really use that word uh, in common day-to-day terms, but, um, you know, an ambassador, we're going to learn about a little bit what a a little bit more about what that exactly is, but let me start reading here. I'm actually going to start reading in chapter 4, verse 16, right before we hit chapter 5, so uh, we can uh, preface this a little bit. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, follow along with me, guys. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Pause there for a moment. What does he mean by tent? Does anybody know? What, when he says, now we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, what is, he, what is he saying right there? What does he mean by tent specifically? Is he, is he talking about an actual tent, like a camping trip tent? Does anybody know? Yeah, it's a little bit confusing, but we find out here because of the context of the passage that when Paul says, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, he's not talking about a tent that you build up after you, you, know, you, you go camping with your family, you put up a tent. He's not talking about that tent, but what he's talking about, he's using that word tent to mean our own bodies. All right, so he says, now, if, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, he's saying, now we know that our bodies, we're not gonna live forever in these bodies. Our bodies, our flesh is gonna be destroyed, all right? He says, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So that's something very encouraging to look forward to, all right? He says, we're not going to be in this earthly tent for, for, for much longer, all right? These bodies that we're given, this flesh we're put in, is only temporary. But thank goodness, if you put your hope in Jesus, you have something to look forward to for eternity, 
And that's a glorified body that you get when you get to heaven. So once you, once you rece- uh, receive Jesus in your life, you look forward to that promise of heaven, living eternally with Jesus. Have you guys ever thought about that? Just what eternity is? We live in this temporary body right now, but once you receive Christ and have the promise of heaven and salvation, we get to be with Jesus forever. You guys ever thought about that? It's crazy. We can't even put our minds around the thought of eternity because it's so long. So Paul talks about, you know, we know that we're in this body now. It's temporary. It's not going to live forever. But if you put your hope in Jesus, God is making you a new glorified earthly bo- or heavenly body that you look forward to uh, once you receive him, go to heaven. So that's what the Paul is talking about. He's talking about temporary things. We're living in a temporary body in a temporary world. But if you put your hope in Jesus, we have something to look forward to an eternal dwelling with him in heaven. So keep reading with me, chapter 5, verse 2. He says, Meanwhile, in the meantime, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, in this body, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose, and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Jump with me to verse 16 of chapter 5. Verse 16 says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Verse 20, here's our theme, guys. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, guys, there's this, um, well, let me, let me pray for us, then we'll, we'll dive into the study. Lord, thank you so much uh, just for all you've done for us this morning and uh, just by filling us with new breath in our lungs. We pray that we can learn how to properly represent Jesus and all we say and do. Thank you for my friends here this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Amen. So guys, some of you, uh, probably none of you have heard this saying. It's an older saying. Uh, maybe some of your parents have heard this. I uh, only heard it just recently, a few years ago, when my dad was actually going through uh, this exact study in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But the saying goes that sometimes, Christ- well, people say this about Christians, that sometimes Christians are so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. All right, what does that exactly mean, that some Christians are so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good? Frankly, I think that the saying is completely ridiculous. In fact, I, should be, I believe that it should be the opposite, that sometimes Christians are so earthly-minded that they're no heavenly good. But when, Christian, when, when people say about Christians, you know, they're just too heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good, what does that mean? You know, sometimes people think that, you know, to, you know, give an illustration, some people say that Christians, like, oh, well, they're, they're too busy, like, reading their Bibles. Like, oh, I'm, I'm so busy reading my Bible. I'm so busy just consumed with Jesus, consumed with thinking about heaven and eternity that I have no time for my friends. You know, guys, I really wish I could go to the mall with you today, but I've just been reading my Bible for five hours. I'm just so tired. I gotta go to bed. 
Or guys, I, you know, I can't spend time with my family. I've just been, been praying so long that I just have no time for my friends or family. You know, probably none of us have ever said that. In fact, it's, it more goes so that we're so earthly-minded that we're no heavenly good, that we're so consumed with, we're so absorbed with thinking about, what am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat? Who's that guy? Hey, who's that girl? Is it Chipotle or Chick-fil-A? What am I going to wear? What am I going to do? We're so consumed with thinking about today that we're, you know, we forget sometimes that it's all about Jesus. It's how can I grow closer to my relationship with Jesus, who loves me so much that he laid his life down for me? All right, because in the context, Paul is talking about the temporary and the eternal. And he's speaking to the Corinthian church. You know, just to put it simply, our church here, we're called Cornerstone Chapel. All right, 2,000 years ago, Paul is writing this letter, what we read just now. It's actually a letter written to a church. It's to the church in Corinth. So just like today, guys, we're gathering together, we're reading from God's word, we're worshiping him. 2,000 years ago, Paul's in the same situation. He's writing a letter to a church who gets together, reads the Bible, worships the same Jesus we worship, so it's no different. So it's crazy to think that 2,000 years ago they were doing church too, but Paul is saying to this church, hey guys, don't forget, while we have these temporary worries, while we're in these temporary bodies here on this temporary earth, don't be so consumed and worried about with the things of today. Because today we're gonna think, what am I gonna wear? Does this shirt look good? these pants look okay? Am I going to impress that girl? Am I going to impress that boy with what I'm wearing? Or, uh, yeah. Am I going to, am I going to look good? Or, you know, just, what am I going to eat today? Just ask, you know, we wake up for, uh, for the morning and we think the first thought is, what am I going to eat for breakfast? Hey, Ma, you going to make me eat some eggs and bacon? Or, you know, three hours later, we're on to, hey, what am I going to eat for lunch? And three hours later, hey, what am I going to eat for dinner? So we're so wrapped up in thinking and worrying and consumed with, what am I going to do today What's going on in my life today? What are my worries today? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Who am I going to see? You know, so we're so consumed with our earthly thoughts that we forget, hey, you know, there's this guy 2,000 years ago that laid his life down for me, that gave his life for me, and he loves me so much he wants a relationship with me, and his name is Jesus, that sometimes we get so consumed with the worries of today, you know, that we forget, hey, there's a Jesus who loves me who wants to have a relationship with me, I want to sit down and read his word, just like Pastor Jimmy was talking about. Don't forget and neglect reading God's word, praying, and having a relationship with him. So Paul is saying to this church, we're in this temporary body here on this temporary earth, but it's not going to last. It's temporary. Temporary meaning it has an end. It's not going to last. So fix our eyes, rather, on what is eternal, what will last forever in Jesus, and focus your eyes on the eternal. And in turn, guys... Because we focus our eyes on what is eternal, because we focus our eyes on heaven, because we focus our eyes on Jesus, what does Jesus think? You know, sometimes we're so focused on, what do my friends think? What do my friends think about this? What do my friends think about me? What am I going to do? Am I going to be cool? Am I going to fit in? And sometimes we forget to think, what does Jesus think about this subject? What does Jesus think about me? What does Jesus want to do with my life? We become so consumed with thinking about the temporary. But guys, it has an end. It's not going to last forever. So Paul's saying here, hey, fix your eyes on what is eternal. And guys, check this out. Because when we fix our eyes on what is eternal, when we fix our eyes on what never ends, then we become more aware of, hey, hey, how can I properly represent Jesus? Because we're, so, we're not consumed anymore with what am I going to wear, what am I going to do, what am I going to eat? I mean, 
everyone thinks those things. Those things aren't wrong. We have to take care of ourselves, obviously. But we, when we become so worried and consumed with those thoughts, we forget, hey, how can I represent Jesus? And we say, how can I represent me? How can I look good for others? Instead, when we, be, when we focus our eyes and fix our thoughts on Jesus and the things that are eternal, then we become more aware of, hey, how can I not represent me, but how can I represent Jesus? How can I represent Jesus well? All right, in chapter 5, verse 5, he says, Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And so what does Paul mean when he says, God who has made us for this very purpose? You know, that question that is, what's the meaning of life? What are, why are we here? Paul, Paul kind of answers it right here when he says, God has made us for this very purpose. What purpose is he talking about? Why are we here? What's our purpose? In the context of this passage, Paul's really saying that our purpose is for eternal things. Our purpose is for eternity. Our purpose isn't for the temporary. Our purpose, God has made us for the eternal things. And so then properly we can know how to represent Jesus once our eyes are really fixed on Jesus. All right, so once we take our eyes off of ourselves, we can fix our eyes on Jesus and now we can come to our question, how can I properly represent Jesus? How can I be an ambassador for Christ. So read along with me, chapter 5, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Does anybody know what, what's an ambassador? What is an ambassador? Anybody know? Yeah. Exactly. What's your name? Lauren? Lauren said that a rep, uh, an ambassador is someone who represents something or who is a representative of someone. So Let's take that into uh, an illustration. Let's say Lauren, Lauren's from America. Let's say Lauren is a high-ranking official here in the United States, and she moves to China. All right, so Lauren, who is a representative of, of the United States, moves to China, and now in everything Lauren does, how she behaves, how she acts, where she goes, what she's doing, people, the Chinese people now will look on Lauren, it's Lauren, right, will look on Lauren and say, Hey, she's a representative, representative, representative of America. How is she behaving? How is she acting? So let's say Lauren goes to China as a high-ranking official. So she lives in China, but is, is a representation of America. And she's going to the marketplace, and she's stealing stuff, and she's acting rude, and she's being obnoxious, and she's bullying people, and she's tearing people down. The people are going to look at Lauren and say, hey, are you from America? And she says, yeah. They're going to look on on Lauren and say she's the representation of how all of America is. So we better hope and pray that Lauren's a good representation of us because she gets, she's going to China and when China looks on her and says she's representing her own country, if she's not polite and she's rude and maybe she's staying with someone and you know she's uh, you know rocking out to music late at night, waking up the neighbors, or she's going into the fridge helping herself out to some China tea you know, without asking or something, just being not polite, going into the marketplace, maybe uh, pickpocketing or stealing, they're going to say, who is this Lauren? She's a stealer. She's a thief. She wakes us up at night. She keeps us up. She's going to the fridge helping herself to stuff. She's a poor representation of America. Is this how all of America is? But on the other hand, if, if Lauren is a representative of America, if she's an ambassador of America to the Chinese people, and she's polite, she takes care of other people, she uh, you know, respects uh, those who she's staying with. In the marketplace, she pays full price without stealing. She's honest. People are going to look on Lauren and say, hey, Lauren, where are you from? She says, I'm from America. And they're going to say, is this how all of Americans are? They're so polite. They're so, so she's a representation of all of us. 
So we better hope that Lauren represents us well. Otherwise, if she's rude and obnoxious, that taints all of America, that taints our name. In the same way, guys, Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's representatives. We are Christ's representations. And so Paul says, be a good ambassador for Christ. Listen, if you guys are throwing a few curse words out here and you say, hey, I'm a believer in Christ, that's a bad representation of who Jesus is. If all you guys are, and, and we're, we're gossiping about someone and, and the girls get together and we're talking about some girl and tearing her down and being discouraging, that's a poor representation of who Jesus is. Jesus says, be polite, be kind, be loving to others. And guys, check this out. Once we be a proper representation of Jesus in our schools, in our homes, people will look on us and say, what do they have that I don't have? That person's never rude. They're always polite. The guys are always hoping, holding the doors open for the girls, being polite, being generous, being kind. That girl never tears someone down. She's always encouraging. She always lifts me up. What does she have that I don't have? Who is she representing? You say, well, I represent Jesus. Once you profess the name of Jesus, it's important that you represent him well. All right, many of you know the saying. I don't know if I've ever said this. It's kind of kind of dramatic, but, you know, uh, like when the guys, you know, if, if you guys have done something to bother someone or maybe just to aggravate someone and you're like, man, I don't care what they think about me. Or you just say, you know, you know, guys, you've done something to bother one of your buddies or something. And then you're like, hey, man, you really bothered that dude. He's like really mad at you. You're like, man, I don't care what he thinks about me. Or the girls, you're gossiping about someone, you're tearing them down, you're being discouraging and say, hey, you really hurt Sarah last night. You're like, man, I don't care what Sarah thinks about me. We better, think of, we better care about what people think of us because we're personal representations of Jesus. We're Christ's ambassadors. So Paul says, be a good ambassador for Christ as though God were making his appeal through you. All right? So I have a few things. Um, there's many ways we can properly represent Christ, but if you're taking note, I noted these three things in which we can practically represent Jesus wherever we go. All right? So in what ways should we represent Jesus well? Number one, with our speech. Number two, with our bodies. Number three, in our relationships. So how can we properly represent Jesus well in the last few minutes that we have? We need to represent Jesus well with our speech, with our bodies, and in our relationships. All right, starting with our speech. How can we represent Jesus well with our speech? All right, well, if we're at school, or we're hanging out with our buddies, and we know that all of our buddies throw out a few curse words here and there, and they know that we represent Jesus. Say, yeah, I know you go to church. I know you follow Jesus. I know you read the Bible. But you're just cursing up a storm with your buddies, throwing out a few curse words here because it sounds cool. That's a poor representation of Jesus. That's a poor representation and a poor reflection of Jesus. If girls, if we're gossiping with all of our lady friends, tearing someone down, they're saying, don't you know Jesus? Don't you go to church? Like, don't you read your Bible? Doesn't your Bible say not to gossip or talk about someone that way? Doesn't the Bible say, hey, not to joke about, about people that way? And we're being a poor representation of Jesus through our speech because of what we say. It's important that we be mindful of what we say and how we speak. Because it's extremely important that we don't tear people down and that we encourage them and that we're careful with our mouths because our mouths and our speech is a very significant way we can properly represent Jesus. So Paul says, be an ambassador. Be an ambassador with your speech. Number two, be an ambassador. Be a good representation of Jesus with your bodies. How you behave, how you act is extremely important. What you wear is an extremely significant 
uh, point of how we can represent Jesus well. For the girls, ladies, if you're reading the magazines and they're telling you to dress a certain way to fit in and it's immodest, it's a poor representation of who Jesus is. Guys, if we're acting a certain way with our bodies and we don't have self-control and we're just doing whatever we jolly well please, it's a poor representation of Jesus. People notice. People watch you. People are watching us whether you realize it or not. And it's important that in whatever we do and whatever we say, whether we realize, whether we think people are watching us or not, that we properly represent Jesus well. And one way we can do that is with our bodies. By The, the word says that we're temples of, of Jesus, so that the Lord lives in you, that Jesus lives in you. So if Jesus lives in you, Jesus lives in us, but we're being a poor representation with the very body that he indwells us with, how is that a good representation of Jesus? Be encouraging, be polite, um, be modest, have self-control. All these things that the Bible speaks of is how we can properly represent Jesus. Number three, represent Jesus well in your relationships. All right, um, eighth graders, how old are you guys? You guys 13, 14? All right, then you'll get to high school, 15, 16. Personally, I think... Right now, a little too young to be dating. You know, I mean, when you're 14 years old, I, I got, I'm married, I, I, I got married when I was 21. All right, that, you know, from 14 to 21, that's seven years. There's no way if I'm 14 and I'm dating someone, I'm really gonna stay with that person for seven years because I'm not even thinking about marriage when I'm 14. So if we're properly wanting to date to, to pursue someone eventually to be married, I think that should come a little bit older. It's all right to have crushes, all right? When you're, 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 you're middle school, you're, you're at school, like, man, that girl, she's really cute. Man, that guy, he's pretty good looking. You know, he's, got the, he's got the lax stick. He's, you know, he's uh, you know, playing some lax, shooting some hoops. You know, that guy's, that guy's an athlete. I think I have a crush on him. You know, that's all fine, you know. Uh, but personally, right now, you know, it's up to your parents. That's your parents' discretion. Personally, my opinion is, you know, you need to be focused on dating right now. But eventually, all of us, obviously, will be in a dating relationship. We will, hopefully, or many of you may get married down the road when you're in your 20s or 30s, some of you 40s, it's okay. But uh, some of you will eventually get married, be in a dating relationship with a cute girl, with a cute guy. Um, and you guys need to be mindful of how can I properly represent Jesus in my dating relationships? All right, for those of you right now who are not in a dating relationship, Hopefully that's all of you, but no, it's uh, up to your parents. But um, if you're in a dating relationship or eventually you will be in a dating relationship, how can you properly represent Jesus in your dating relationships? By guarding your purity. Guys, these girls are Jesus' daughters. It says we're sons and daughters of God. You guys got to take care of God's daughter. He's entrusting you for this time when you get married. Hey, take care of my daughter. Take care of God's daughter. Be respectful, be kind. So properly represent, represent Jesus by guarding purity in your relationships. For the girls, be respectful to your men. Don't tear them down, be encouraging in your dating relationships. When you get married, you're taking care of God's sons, all right? Take care of us. So we need some uh, good, godly, good godly marriages, some good godly women. Um, so properly represent Jesus in your dating relationships when you eventually date or when you eventually get married, guard that purity. That purity is very important. It's very sacred. And so guard that purity in your dating relationships with your family. Guys, I know it's tough sometimes to always obey your parents. 
I fought with my parents. I probably even threw some temper tantrums, kicking and screaming on the floor because I didn't want to clean my room. And you know the secret, stuffing the clothes under the bed. I know I did that too, stuffing it in your closet, just hiding it because if it looks good, then it is good, all right? It doesn't have to, you know, put some clothes under the bed, that's fine. So obey your parents, all right? I even know that some of you guys, some of your testimony is that you uh, went to camp this year, even camp last year, and you got saved, you gave your life to Jesus, you're like, I don't know what to do because I'm scared to go home to my parents who don't know Jesus. Some of you guys have parents who don't believe in Jesus, who haven't given their life to Jesus. I know that some of you, for some of you, that was some of your testimonies. And it's important that, guys, if you obey them, if you submit to your parents and you do what they tell you, that's a good influence on your unbelieving parents because they say, hey, my child, they, they came home and they said they believe in Jesus. They're obeying me. They're submitting to my authority. I love this change because of the change that Jesus has brought through their life. What do they have that I don't have? And on your believing parents as well, hopefully many of you, your parents do believe in Jesus. They do come to church and they do read the word and do encourage you, encourage you in your faith. But obey them. Be obedient to your parents. Represent Jesus well in the relationships you have with your parents by not complaining, being content with what you have. All right, obeying them, cleaning your room. All right, and with your siblings. How many of you have younger siblings? Show of hands. All right, how many of you have older siblings? All right, I've got an older brother and a younger sister, so I can play both games here. But be kind to your siblings. Be respectful. You're giving your parents a hard time when you mistreat your younger brother, when you mistreat your older sister, or you're always nagging them, or you're always complaining. Respect your siblings. Love on your brothers. Love on your sisters. Be a good influence, especially if you have younger siblings. Be a good influence on them by respecting, their, by respecting your parents. Represent Jesus well amongst your, amongst your brothers, amongst your sisters. Say, hey, my older brother, he really represents Jesus well. He really obeys, obeys our parents. I want to follow in his footsteps. I want, to be, I want to set that example for my younger sister. Represent Jesus well amongst your siblings. And guys, finally, with your teachers and coaches. Represent Jesus well in school. I can't stress this enough because school is, you know, it's all fun and safe when you're in church because everyone's lifting their hands, reading their Bibles. It's a safe place. But when you guys go out to school, whole different ballgame. Peer pressure. People don't read their Bible. People don't think about Jesus. People don't know Jesus. People joke and curse and be, you know, are disrespectful to their teachers. Guys, if you're a Christian, if you say, hey, I believe in Jesus, but you disrespect your teacher, or we're not listening to our teachers when they tell us to do an assignment, it's a bad representation and a poor representation and a poor reflection of who Jesus is. So respect your teachers. Submit to their authority. As tough as it might be, I've had annoying teachers too, all right? Some of them are weirdos. But we have to respect them. We have to work hard because we're representing Jesus in the classroom. And with your coaches, for those of you who played sports, I played football and baseball through high school. Represent Jesus well by submitting to your coaches. Be a good representation of Jesus with your teammates. Be a good representation of who Jesus is because once your teammates see, hey, this guy really works hard, he obeys and submits to our coach, he respects our coach, what does he have that I don't have? That interest is drawn from how you represent Jesus well. So if you're a good reflection of who Jesus is because Jesus loves us and he wants to have a relationship with everybody, 
If you're polite to your coaches, you're, you're respectful to your teachers, you behave well in the classroom, people are watching you, your friends are watching you. Be a good uh, representation of Jesus, be a good reflection of Jesus in your classrooms with your teachers. And so, a uh, personal story, I, I just got back from uh, Disney World last night. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't have any kids I went for myself, because um, Disney's awesome. It's the most magical place on earth. Uh, but I went uh, to Disney World with, uh, with my wife's family um, last week, and we just got back on the plane uh, last night, got back about midnight. All right, so I'm just reading my Bible on the plane, kind of cleaning up what I wanted to, wanted to say to you guys this morning. And so I got my Bible out, and all of a sudden, this really noisy, crying baby sitting right behind me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, thankfully, it's only a two-hour flight. It's not that bad. It's not like I'm going across the country, like a five-hour flight where I have to deal with this crying baby. There's this crying baby sitting behind me the whole flight, literally the whole two hours, kicking and screaming, like kicking my chair. I'm like, what is going on? And the whole time I'm thinking, like, I have a Bible in my hands. Like, this stinks. Like, like put this Bible away and give that baby a nasty look. Give the mother who's holding it just the nastiest look. Like, seriously, lady, we're on a two-hour flight. Can you tell your baby to calm down and stop kicking my chair? All right, but I, I'm like, oh, man, I have a Bible in my hand, so I can't be like, hey, quiet your baby down. And then she's like, what are you reading there? I'm like, oh, just uh, uh, the old Tom Sawyer books. Uh, you know, it's obviously like, she's like, you know, can see over my shoulder that I got a Bible in hand. If I'm turning my shoulder over every five minutes, giving this mom a nasty look, like quiet your baby down, that's like a poor representation of like this whole book. Like be patient with people, be kind with people, be respectful to people. So even I, it was testing me in my plane ride back home last night. Like, man, I got my Bible out at the worst time. I want to like just turn over and just tell this lady, like, can you quiet your baby down, please? I like want to rest. But so even, even, you know, wherever you go, whether you're on a plane 20,000 feet up, uh, whether you're in your classroom with your coaches on the, on the ball field, whether you're hanging out with your friends, you're with your family on summer vacation, Always be mindful, guys. Represent Jesus well with your speech, with your bodies, and your relationships. And uh, whatever you do, be an ambassador for Christ, as Paul says. Properly represent Jesus. And um, that's what we need to do, guys. It's important that we represent Jesus well. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for your love, your mercy, for filling our, our uh, lungs with breath this morning. Lord, our prayer is this morning that you would strengthen us to be good representatives of you, to be good ambassadors of Jesus. We pray that you would strengthen us. Always allow us to be mindful that we're, we're living for eternal things and that we're living for you, Jesus. And um, allow us just to help us to be good representatives of you, Lord, as we uh, go about our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen, guys.